my father, who helped me build the first pod share, said all these things. He says, don't put your savings account into it. And people are going to hear each other snore and fart. And they're not <laughs> going to do this. They all want privacy. And this is not enough space for one individual, let alone 10. So I got I got all this naysaying stuff. And I said to him, Dad, you're just, you're just old school. You're just a guy of the past. You're a conservative. You don't understand. Yeah. If you put people in primest of prime locations mm-hmm. and you say everything's all included, I'm not going to nickel and dime you. And you say, by the way, there's a bunch of other locations and you could pop into any of them like a gym membership. They're going to do it. And my dad was like, "Okay, let's try it. And then he ate his words. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Persister with Candice Lowry. I am Candice Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless, she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. You can listen to Persister on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persister. I am Candice, and I am here with Elvina Beck. And I am so excited not only to know that she's a fellow wave from Pepperdine. <laughs> she was also a DG, if we want to get into that. But um, I think it is amazing that you've started this entire company basically from the ground up. And I'm so excited and interested to hear really how it works and how you just start something like this and embark on it. Because you came from production and a production background. So did you always know that you wanted to be in business and in housing or were you really drawn to production and film initially? So definitely came to Pepperdine. (laughs) That's how I came to Los Angeles via college and knew Los Angeles was for me. Yeah. And I thought that production made a lot of sense. I'm pretty outgoing. I really love people. I love producing or creating content of some sort. So I love that that producer like versus like the consumer side of like yeah. and production is really great because if you buy a DSLR camera or at the time I had a Panasonic HVX 200 mm-hmm. you can turn it on and you can get Final Cut Pro um, you can you know upgrade to you know the Adobe suite and mm-hmm. create effects lower thirds and now you got yourself content and you can put that on YouTube and at the time like 2008 you know YouTube became the second biggest search engine and I thought wow I could get this out to the world if I just you know press the record button mm-hmm. and edit it so there was something powerful about that and and I really 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 loved storytelling but then I realized I don't necessarily like working for people even though I felt like I worked for myself it was like other people that were like you know make this cut or that and I was like I don't really agree with that direction but I still had to do it because you know mostly I was working for music artists um, Mm -hmm. and it's their it's their image and I and I fully respect that Um, but I thought and also am I doing any service to the world right by making by telling stories am I doing service to the world or should I be using my time for something else and at the time I was looking for a place to live and this is 2012 and Mm -hmm. I wasn't really finding an affordable place to live like in Hollywood and Vine which is what I wanted Mm -hmm. and I thought well what's what's the simplest and I'm not good at math but what's the simplest (laughs) math equation to afford a rent and it's divide Right. Yeah. If you divide that rent by two people, three people, four people, the higher the number of people, the lower the rent each one pays. Right. Right. If everyone was divvied up the same way and you get a master bedroom and I get, you know, a closet, if we all get the same amount, 
you divide it up. So I thought, well, what if rent was one-tenth of a price? And then I got a loft at Hollywood and Vine, and I divided it up by 10 beds, 10 people. Oh and I was paying one-ninth <laughs> of the rent in that space. And it was really affordable. But in, in addition to the rent, you know, you should put the utilities in there. You should put food in the fridge. Yeah. You should put toiletries because, I mean, we all, like... We all use like body wash and shampoo and conditioner, you know, and right. shaving cream, toothpaste. Like there are things that we all use the same of and doesn't have to be like superior <laughs> branding. It just has to be something you can reach it to. So I just thought I took all the expenses and I put a, you know, put a sum and then I divided it by 10 and said, this is how much it costs to live here. And, <laughs> and, I'm letting, and I have oh. myself a home. <laughs> so you find this place. Do you, Did you have to go around the landlord and kind of scrape by the rules sometimes because I know sometimes in LA people are like you can only have one to two people or only have one person per bedroom so did you have to kind of get a little <laughs> sneaky <laughs> in the way that you planned things so uh, the landlord that I was actually I was so lucky to have someone really forward thinking this guy Jerry had a company called creative environment so the guy was really really creative um, since him I haven't been able to find such an amazing landlord I mean I have, I have great landlords I have six landlords today um, for all six pod shares so I do deal with a lot of personalities um, but this particular person gave me a chance and so he's extra special in my like life story um, but yeah when everybody else was like it's too hard on the plumbing there's too many people what is this commune style living it's never gonna work what boys and girls <laughs> should not live together and I and by the way my, my father who helped me build the first pod share said all these things he says don't put your savings account into it and people are going to hear each other snore and fart and they're <laughs> not going to do this they all want privacy and this is not enough space for one individual let alone 10 so I got I got all this naysaying stuff and I said to him dad you're just you're just old school you're just a guy of the past you're a conservative you don't understand yeah. if you put people in primest of prime locations mm -hmm. and you say everything's all included I'm not going to nickel and dime you and you say, by the way, there's a bunch of other locations and you could pop into any of them like a gym membership. They're going to do it. And my dad was like, OK, let's try it. And then he ate his words. <laughs> <laughs> so did your dad come from a business background? Yeah, he's pretty entrepreneurial. He okay. uh, we came we immigrated from the USSR. So I was born in 85 in the USSR. And then 1990, when the wall collapsed, we came to America, to Brooklyn. Wow. That's what brought me to Pepperdine because I was sick of the East Coast. Oh. <laughs> it's cold. So you choose the most beautiful, <laughs> most quintessential West Coast college yeah. possible. I did, I did. <laughs> and it was small enough where I felt like I knew my professors and it, like I wouldn't get lost in the big, you know, um, yeah. classrooms. But yeah, it's, but that, but actually that Pepperdine experience was a huge part of Podshare because if you look at a Podshare, it is small spaces, but multiple of them, like multiple classrooms versus mm -hmm. one large, like, like uh, one large auditorium, like would be like a hotel or a motel or a hostel or an apartment building. You kind of go into this giant building and you go down the hall and it's room, room, room. Like that's a traditional apartment building, right? Mm -hmm. But at a pod share, you go in and those are the beds in a large open room. But you can also have one across town, you know, every eight miles there's a pod share right now mm. in Los Angeles. Wow. So yeah, we're in downtown Arts District, Los Feliz, Hollywood and Vine, which those two are three miles away from each other. Westwood, right by UCLA, like a block away and Venice. Mm -hmm. So those are like the five neighborhoods but we have two in downtown. Because I was looking, we were talking about it, and because I just recently moved to Seattle, and I needed a place to temporarily stay. And the Airbnbs, just to stay in, like, a studio for 20 days was upwards of $2,200. Wow, that's high. And I was like, okay, and I can't rent a place for a month because it's going to be even worse. And I'm like, damn it, why wasn't this in Seattle when I was yeah. there? But do you... When you have this idea, 
and it, I'm sure it's a little bit daunting to get the funding, you know, if someone out there listening has this really awesome idea and it's almost the hardest part's taking that first that step. It is. So how, what made you finally be able to say, all right, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to do it. We're going to get the money somehow. Yeah, yeah. So I think you got to put your money where your mouth is. I think some of these companies, like ideation phase, go out and raise, mostly like San Francisco or Silicon yeah. Beach type of companies, say, I've got this great idea around technology usually. And they go get this insane valuation and they raise money on the price of their company, that they what they value it as, like, and they get equity. And then they have a board and they and they, and they finalize and, and themselves very interestingly. And, and, and like something like Twitter, you know, has doesn't really make money except for ads, you know, you know, you yeah. know how these tech companies work. But when you have like a brick and mortar, it doesn't really work that way. Like you have rents to pay. And of course, you have salaries to pay all those engineers. But um, you really need uh, like a business that's going to be profitable, um, not from the get go, but maybe like six months in because like, what kind of debt are you taking on? Right. So for me, I had credit card debt, and I had my savings account, right. And then I knew that it was a business that I could do, for example, oh, so scary. You know, I know it is, right. It is. But you want it. I'm not going to go into technology because I'm not a coder, right. right? And I'm not going to go into um, I don't know, name name a different department that requires some sort of skills. Like accounting. Yeah. Because I'm not, I don't have that certification, right? I'm not going to go like to law, it takes law school, which also puts you in debt. Or like medical or something. Yeah, medical you know, thing. so what can you do? Okay, you got two hands. Like, can you build? I mean, technically, can't anybody if you watch YouTube? So <laughs> my dad showed me the blueprints and I've just been building pods ever since with my friends. Wow. So when you, how, what makes you find the right place? So you have this idea. How do you know what, area is the best, what building is the best, um, if there's any plumbing issues, like, because it seems like you kind of need to know a little bit about city planning yeah, or architecture. Yeah, you learn that stuff, though. I think you learn the job. Just like production. Like, I didn't go to film school, as I'm sure, like, a lot of my colleagues did, and you just pick up a camera and you learn it. And again, you just get the buttons, and over time, you become okay, you, you, and you fake it till you make it kind of thing. So <laughs> it was the same thing. Like, real estate is a very conservative, male-centric industry, where it's not very inviting. Like, nobody wants to open doors for you um, in that in that in that field I'm afraid mm-hmm. but what you can do is you can just get a lease and just like I said build it be your own construction company and do it yourself and then be your own marketer and market yourself and then be your own booking site and book it you know and get people in and then be your own concierge <laughs> be your own housekeeper be your own handyman you know what I mean you just do everything yourself with the help of you know YouTube basically and the internet yeah. um, but the question of how do you know if something's right well luckily I feel like I'm my demographic because I pod share millennials stay and that's our demographic right yeah. so where do I want to live in town and everything I just all the places that I told you we have leases is places I would want to live yeah but additionally I'll look at comps in the area so if someone recently was like hey you should open up in Koreatown but then when I look Koreatown's not that expensive so I can't on Venice in Venice we're right off of Abbot Kinney the rents there are like two Insane. to three k yeah, a mi- yeah. Like a minimum right even like Brentwood I was looking at Super that high, it's right? horrible yeah so these are the places that we should be in maybe not Beverly Hills because then the it's not necessarily like that look it's like we're basically a commune like we're a shared open space not so Beverly Hillsy but Westwood by UCLA Mm-hmm. students they're called dorms right they share so that's kind of the idea of like how do you stay on brand but in really expensive locations I mean luckily now in my career people landlords landlords for the first time send me emails and are like let's open one in the Grand Canyons I'm like well that's <laughs> not so little random let's open one in Iowa and I was like well what's in Iowa yeah let's open one you know like insert any like middle America city here yeah. Nashville I got the other day um, but really I think like San Francisco New York LA Chicago Boston like these but the in those cities Seattle the most yeah. unaffordable neighborhoods in those cities right because it's I mean that's one of the most daunting things especially for someone 
who's moving here to be an actor or to really take a leap of I mean when I was I was like maybe I can live in San Francisco one day and I really thought that people were over exaggerating when they talked about rent and when I saw that a one bedroom started at I mean like $3000 I'm like how do people even survive out here? And so... Plus security deposit, right? Yeah. And furnishing utilities, yeah. turning on the Wi-Fi. It's all really expensive. Exactly. And so when you're looking at this and you say, great idea, I know what I want to do. And if someone, I guess for a baseline starting a business, who's the first... Is there like an essential group of people that you need to have? Like you have your... I mean, I don't know, like ad uh, advertising person, your finance person, your is there a core group of employees that you really need to start a business? So uh, when you first asked that question, I thought of this um, this rule, the one nine ninety rule. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. So ninety percent people will like like your product, and they'll be like, oh, you know, Pacha is cool. Nine percent will be like your ongoing residents. Like every time I'm in LA, I will go stay at Pacha. But that one percent is actually what like makes or breaks your business. And that one percent is like the super fan. They're like the Apple fanboys, you know, that mm-hmm. are like talk about it. They will buy it. They'll st- still spend overnight on sneakerheads. You know, all those people that will st- sleep outside or pay other people to yeah. like stand in line, yeah, for stand in line for them. <laughs> like that's your one percent. And those people are like your superheroes of the brand. And I think that's actually what you need because uh, um, as far as internal hiring and things, yeah, of course, you need great managers. But as far as like on the outside of marketers, you need that 1%. And how do you build that brand loyalty? For us, Podshare, something really random happened. Um, one person has to get a tattoo of our icon once. And uh, mm. it's like a share the road sign, you know, like on the on the road, just like share, share a sign and then a house and a suitcase. And he's like, oh, I like your icon. Can I get a tattoo of it? And I was like, are you joking? Like, <laughs> I, of course, like I'll pay for it. Okay. <laughs> and since him, there's been 19 people people that have gotten tattoos of our logo and we consider that our 1% and we always ask them before we pay for their tattoo wow. what does it mean to you like why are you getting this tattoo <laughs> like two best friends came to LA for the first time and said this is our friendship like bra- bracelets essentially a guy was like from the Navy and he was like I spend my life on the road you know and then in places that I've never met before so I around the logo want to put I go to seek a great perhaps and it's a quote from an author mm. and uh, different people have made it different things to them um, but ultimately it just means like I live anywhere I'm a digital nomad or I'm a traveler at heart I have wanderlust and I'm minimalist and free and it was really it's really interesting because they just took that branding and made it their own yeah but they put it on their bodies for the rest of their life and yeah because I was looking at the podshare website and I'm like what is this tattoos thing like what is going on do you get a free tattoo when you go there or something <laughs> like is it if included with rent <laughs> but that is fascinating that I mean even just a great logo can make that big of a difference. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It also helps that it's like, so uh, it's a slumber party every single night. Yeah. Right? We have quiet hours at 10 p.m., so it's not like the party part, but it's a, it's a slumber. My, I joke around, my mom never let me have slumber parties when I was a kid. She said that oh, after midnight, nothing good happens. And if you're a girl, <laughs> even even less, even more trouble. <laughs> so I was like really upset that I couldn't have I couldn't have any slumber parties, uh, you know, until I turned 18 and left for college. So I told my mom, it's really ironic. I like started a business where I sleep with strangers every single night in my 30s yeah. because you wouldn't let me, you know, <laughs> when I was 16. This is me seeking revenge on you, Mom. <laughs> like, it's my career now. Thanks. <laughs> um, that Yeah, I was wondering, because I was talking with Mark, who's in here. He's produces this podcast. <laughs> People are like, who the hell is Mark? Um, where I'm like, I love this, but sometimes I'm really weird about sleep, and I want to make sure that it's quiet at yeah. certain times. But that's what I was wondering, is that over time, do you say, like, okay, it needs to be quiet exactly this time. Mm-hmm. We need to have this kind of food. 
um, this many X many towels. Is that also <laughs> something that you learn over time with people staying or do you kind of have what you think is a baseline and then move from there? I think you think as a baseline and move from there. So when you're starting your own company, you set the rules, the policies, you enforce them. And if they suck, you change them, right? Yeah. But you don't know until like they quote unquote eat your own dog food. Meaning like I live in a pot share. I gave up my apartment five years ago. So when I start, when I first started, I had an apartment and, and like, it was a pot share, right? Uh, and, and then I was just like, I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna co-live. I'm gonna. Li- I've been co-living for six years. So I eat the same food. I shower in the same, you know, body washes and stuff. And if something sucks or I hear from it, then you change it, right? But for those people, and this is why I've had a hard time taking investment at this time because these people are so far, far removed from the product. It's really hard for me to take advice from people with like Maseratis and mansions, right? You know, because they're just not here. Um, but but yeah, you basically set set a line, and you when you follow that line by example. Mm. both to like your your staff and to your residents or your members and over time um it's it becomes law like it becomes law like 10 p.m is law like it's quiet hours and if you don't uh, enforce them and if you don't follow them you will be out you'll be removed from pod share and by the way being um we call them dinosaurs they're because they're <laughs> extinct from the community when you're a dinosaur <laughs> that means you're not invited back to any other pod oh share <laughs> do you have like a wall of dinosaurs <laughs> internally well you know people call it blacklist but that's yeah. so racist <laughs> That sounds awful. I would love just a wall with pictures of dinosaurs and you print out the picture of the person's (laughs) face and just post it there. Like, this is the wall of dinosaurs. They are extinct. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. We should do that, but maybe not. (laughs) So you live there still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really helpful in knowing what firsthand. I think sometimes once people get really successful, they kind of do, like you said, remove themselves and they're not really understanding the experience anymore and it could change managers can change and so and I for think business it's... for people who are starting their business goes back to you really need to love what you do and you got to yeah. do it for a long time like I told you earlier I love people and I love telling stories I'm just not telling them about a camera anymore yeah and they're sleeping and they're connecting with people they've ever met so it's like a large open floor plan like I said for guys and girls and different conversations get naturally started just in the kitchen or you know you know in the in the backyard or wherever just naturally people meet opening the door for each other mm-hmm. and and you hear these conversations and you know you kind of sponsor yourself because like this guy's from like Saudi Arabia and this girl's from Oregon and the two of them are talking about laws that are you know in this you know in the so- sovereign state you know yeah. and it's interesting or like um you know, they don't have anything to talk about, so they start with the weather, but then it goes into a board game. So it's just, like, very <laughs> organic, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's chess there and stuff they can play with each other, and someone doesn't know how to play, and, like, you know, it's, he teaches her. Like, it's a very cute, and like, non, no frills, like, not forced, you know, in- interaction. It's very human. Um, so that's why I still think it's telling stories, but, like, under a roof, but but serendipitously, like, putting strangers together. Kind of like MTV's Real World. Yeah. Only we didn't cast them. And you can take video. <laughs> I would love just one podcast turns into a Big Brother situation <laughs> and you just have this. Yeah. Um, well, I really, we're going to take a quick break, but I really want to get into now, I think, looking at the fact that you have volunteers that build and have this model of kind of giving back to have a room and that's what it sounds like so um we're gonna take a quick break but i'm very excited to learn more thank you everyone for listening and i just wanted to remind you all to rate review and subscribe to persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there so i just wanted to thank you all again for listening and let's get back into it Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persister. I am here with Elvina. Yes, 
Elvina. Said yeah. it right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I want to say Elvina. I'm like, that sounds like a <laughs> like a Frankenstein thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I thought it was very interesting when I was reading about how pod chairs are built is that you can have volunteers work on things. And it kind of reminds me of like Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. but not that way. But yeah, it's it is. cool <laughs> that it's cool that people there's still good people that want to do something and build this affordable housing. So what how did you get that model and know that it was sustainable? So, yeah, we do work exchange programs. So those that can't afford to pay. Um, so we're um, we're about 840 a month. To mm-hmm. a thousand, depending just like Venice is a little more expensive, um, and which so, is a great deal for anyone listening. It's for LA. phenomenal because there's no security deposit, there's no furnishing costs, no utilities, no maintenance, no housekeeping. We clean it, so there's really nothing else. It's just what it is, and then you can jump around all the other locations if you wanted to. Like you don't want to be in Venice anymore, you want to go to Westwood, just jump around if you want, and by day you can visit. Mm-hmm. But when we um, when we were thinking about who also can't afford it, there are still some people that can't afford eight forty or a thousand a month, and those people can work exchange. We just ask for like a minimum of six weeks, but they basically help us run the place. When we are building, then we're, those people are helping us um, work. And mm-hmm. like they're, they're helping us, like we go to Home Depot, we buy the lumber, we put them on top of a basically my VW, and then we go <laughs> take them to the site and we we resurrect these pods, and then we teach them how to build. Most of these people don't know how to use a drill. I didn't, so it's totally fine. I mean, you I'm have like, YouTube though. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we'll teach them how to how to build essentially, and uh, they'll, it's like an assembly line, and they'll do and they'll you know we'll build the pods together, and it's really nice that you you know you put together a project and you keep in touch with these people that help you like build the space, and then other people start living in it, and it's very familiar. And yeah, that's during the building process. And then once we open, the management is still by, you know, our work, our work exchange people, our volunteers, our RAs, we call them. Yeah. And I'm sure when you build something yourself and you take time to really create something amazing, you want to keep it well kept. Yeah. And I'm sure these people are like, if you're going to mess up yeah, this place that I built by hand. But I mean, We've I got think volunteers it's, that have been with us for like over a year and change, like a year and a half. Yeah, that's crazy. And they haven't paid a bill in a year and a half, right? Oh my god! Because <laughs> they don't this. have any cars. <laughs> they don't have cars. I don't even know if they have like health insurance. I mean, I don't. Wow. I, you know, they have like what bills do they have? There's food in the fridge. Yeah, that's amazing. It's and I think that you know, with the housing crisis, even I mean, huge in LA. Definitely recently in Seattle, it's gotten to the point where. Working for Microsoft, they just pledged $500 million to affordable housing and building this because the city doesn't do it. And that's kind of been a really frustrating point, especially in these crazy housing markets where, I mean, one of my friends is a dietitian and her boyfriend is a police officer. And it's like they it's it's impossible to find something that is just a livable space. And a lot of landlords want like first and last month's rent, but also they want like proof of income. Yeah. Right. And they want references in addition to like, yeah, like a posture you don't require that. You just show up and you pay for the bed. You put a yeah. credit card on file for incidentals and that's it. So and- if, have city members or congressmen seen this and said yeah. anything? Or? We got this um, email from like uh, Nancy Skinner's chief of staff and wow. she represents uh, Berkeley and Oakland as a state senator and said, wow, I love what you're doing. Wondering if the Berkeley student um, you know, population would benefit from your type of housing. And so our chief of staff came down and um, him and I, we went around all the pod shares and talked about like, what could the state do for a pod share type of um, like housing model? And what that basically means is for every 100 square feet, we can sleep two people, right? Because 50 square feet mm-hmm. uh, is a pod. And 
and all, you have all that common area, you know, in addition in addition to your pod. So in, in your pod is the flat screen TV, and personal outlets, your nightlight, mattress, of course, and, and linens along with the towel. And we'll clean the linens and the towels and we'll give you new ones whenever you desire. Um, and of course, you've got, like I said, the, the, the common shared kitchen, the bathrooms, individually locked showers, all gender uh, uh, gender neutral mm. and um, some parking and things of that sort. But a lot of people don't have cars for, for the members. Um, but but yeah, so we utilize spaces. So we take large open spaces like church or um, like a warehouse type of environment, like like a lot of live work lofts were old warehouses. Mm-hmm. So we'll take those and those en- building envelopes are amazing because they're just wide open spaces. They don't have little nooks like rooms, right? They're like a traditional you can housing. Kind of do whatever you want. Yes, yeah, so we just we build these tall like 10, 11 foot pods and uh, with stairways instead of ladders. So you could just go up to, up the to the second level and they're about five feet high up top. Like five feet is the first level and then five feet is the seventh level. Well, that's why it's about uh, 10, 11 feet tall. Um, and then you co-live. And yeah, as far as like how many people you can comfortably place in a space, <laughs> it's not sardine cans. I don't want you to think that you're about five feet away from the other person across the bed from you. So it's you're not on top of each other. And if you go to a pod share, you won't feel like you're really in close proximity with people. Right. Despite not having privacy in the front, because we don't allow people to drape anything in the front, you do have three walls to your sides and your back. Mm-hmm. So each pod has four people, right? So um, each each pod sleeps one person, oh, okay. but a, but a pod is a double decker, so it's two, oh, okay. two and two, and then a, la- a stairway, and then two and two. Okay, it just goes down the line. Yeah. So have you seen people in LA? Um, I guess being living in a pod yourself, have you seen people who have been battling homelessness and and really trying to get them pick themselves back up, and have seen people kind of have a really great success story. Yeah, so you know how people say like I'm paycheck to paycheck? Mm-hmm. We've seen even worse where it's like I'm like gig to gig. So they'll do like Postmates or Uber if they have a car, uh, Postmates on their bicycle or mm. they've taken our bicycles. We get free bicycles. They've taken our bicycles to go Postmate um, or like a Task Rabbit or like WAG, dog walking. Mm-hmm. So they'll go and they'll do certain ta- jobs just to pay that night's rent. And like I told you, we don't, if you pay, you pay the 840 in advance, um, but you can also just pay every single day, mm-hmm. you know, and that's means mm-hmm. like your gig to gig so we've definitely had like like a couple of people I'm thinking of an individual specifically that was like let it be raining and I always wondered like what if you fall what if you break a leg like how are you gonna pay that rent tonight mm-hmm. you know so you do start to really feel bad for these people because like they don't have a savings yeah um, that's a small small percentage other people are just looking to save and they have a savings account that they're eating into because they haven't found a job yet so they've like relocated to Los Angeles they haven't found like what part of town they want to live in they don't want to commit to an annual lease they don't know anybody in town and they don't have a job right. so like let's say I commit to downtown, but I have to be in Venice. Like, how much time am I going to spend in traffic? So they're just kind of pod sharing and figuring out what do they like, like, where do they want to work? They, can they even get a job like they thought they could here? Um, and then some people are also just traveling. And the travelers, you don't really worry about them because they came with a budget. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you don't really, yeah. But the ones that are moving to L.A. Um, and the ones that are already living in L.A. that are like in between apartments or got, you know, had to leave an apartment for whatever reason. Those are the ones that concern me for sure because mm. they're they're the ones eating cereal three three times a day because they mm. can't go out and buy something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I worry about them. Yeah, I mean, it has to feel good in a way, though, that there you have provided a place for someone that otherwise wouldn't have it. Yeah. Um, we also offer a $15 day pass, and some people live in their cars, and then they come to oh, us. Wow. And from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., they can shower. They can get, you know, use the Wi-Fi, look, like submit resumes, you know, and print things if they want to go out and submit those resumes. Um, and also just kind of coexist and feel like normal conversations because mm-hmm. people have gotten jobs for other people. Like I've heard just yesterday be like, uh, this guy said, oh, this guy over there is getting me a job. Like, you know, that just from conversing. So just networking from in being inside the same house. Yeah, it's kind of like 15 bucks to 
get another job. Yeah, and there's food in the fridge too, so you can yeah. still eat that food, right? Yeah. And you got the toiletries and the towel and everything, so they'll sleep on their cars. And then we have a couple of people that are ongoingly doing that. Doing mm-hmm. that. And with, I think going back a little bit to housing prices, you know, if I lived in a place for a year, they would come back after that year and say, are the rents going up X amount? Right. And do you feel, a pre- like, this might be a stupid question because I don't know how much a landlord controls the rent? 3% person? increases every year. Okay. So do you um, do you feel a pressure to raise the rent or not hope really? Not. <laughs> no. So so we we fashioned it in a way. So like, like I said, I've never taken a dollar from anybody. If any money that I've taken has been debt and I've paid that debt back and, uh, you know, at a fair interest rate, which I'm very happy about. Like I want people to make money. Those that give us money should make money. Um, but I've never taken an investment. The only thing I'm concerned about is that I have enough to pay my exorbitant rents because the, the great neighborhoods that they're in, they're just really high. And then I have enough in the pot in case, like, there's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. Like something breaks or we have some sort of issue that we need to pay for. That we have enough. And then we have a little bit in the pot for the next pot share because we don't want to just have six in Los Angeles, right? Right now we're looking at San Francisco. So our 2019 goal, like, I keep busing up there by, um, there's, like, a really cheap $30 bus. And you just go up oh there, you know, and then you look at. How long does that take? Uh, it takes, like, seven hours. So <laughs> I'll sleep on it at night. I'll go at 11 p.m. and I'll get to SF. Wow. Like 6 a.m. and then I'll look at properties all day and then I don't because it's expensive there I'll take that 11 p.m. bus back to LA and I'll sleep in my pot chair <laughs> you know and I'll just like, that's <laughs> I feel I, like I'm learning <laughs> money hacks too right now financial <laughs> hacks to living that's incredible and, and so we're looking for properties there too to keep the same price tag where you can stay Los Angeles or San Francisco for the same like same price we're hoping so with I mean looking back at the very first time your dad was like this isn't gonna work could, did you ever imagine that it would be this successful? Well, I would hope. Um, the city has been like, so, so, so I was reading an article today that said like, you know, investors or people who like look at your success say don't ever deal with municipalities. If you're going into a business that where you're relying on, um, you know, red tape essentially or mm-hmm. bu- bureaucracy, like just don't do it. Go into something else that doesn't have a ceiling, like tech. You know what I mean? You yeah. have a database of, of people with cars, you know, you make an app for them to pick people up like a taxi, it's Uber, right? You have unlimited cap. I mean, yes, you have, you have, you have definitely have like taxi companies, lobbyists coming after you there. Um, but what I'm trying to say is like brick and mortar is really hard because you don't only have a landlord because you can't afford to buy the building, right? If right. they're in the best part, parts of town. Um, and also like 20, 30% down payment. I mean, that's really expensive. Yeah. Look at a million dollar <laughs> building, which there's not even that. You have to have $300,000 just to buy a building. That's a lot of money. And again, that's one building, you yeah. know, and you're not going to find for a million dollars. So so it's just really hard to buy, to lease, right? You wind up leasing huge security deposits that we have to pay, right? Because of the amount of people that are going to be in the household. But then also going to the city and saying, I want to do this there or learning, can you do this there? Um, has been like half the battle. And I know some other people are going into co-living now. Like we've been doing this since 2012. So six years, almost seven years, we've been going in doing like pod share, going co-living. And I just go to the counter and I ask and I look at an address and I say, can we do it? Um, Like two, three years ago, we created a precedent finally in the city of L.A. where we took a marijuana dispensary that was, you know, selling drugs and we converted (laughs) it into housing. Uh, It's a, you know, commercial building that is now has a residential use thanks to thanks to what we were able to work with people at the city who were on the same page as us that were like, yes, we want housing. And um, that's in like Los Feliz, um, 
where you know it's pretty residential but you know it's up and coming so mm-hmm. we were able to get this use um we've also like worked in a church because um it, it, there's just churches aren't performing anymore a lot of them are for sale yeah so they're, what are they being used as mostly offices but mm-hmm. do we really need more offices in los angeles no. we need housing yeah and so how do we do that um so there's different projects that come into my lap um there was one hotel zone building that the landlords wanted to convert into offices and i was like no no that's stupid we don't need offices and so i took the whole property which basically like almost broke me um, mm. That was a project that almost took Podshare down because it was so expensive. It's 9,000 square feet. Like, that's not very Podshare-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that if I didn't do it, there were going to be offices. And I, again, now that I knew about that project, I wasn't going to let that go. Me, me, you know what I mean? If you had an opportunity to create more housing, you would take it, right? Yeah. And I think that that was leading up kind of, I feel like this is the answer to that question. But I'm curious to know what the hardest part has been where it's almost really been discouraging like oh my god is this even gonna work with all of this work that i've put into it did i just make a huge mistake (laughs) i think san francisco is the answer so i went into the city and i said this is what i've done for six years i've got the track record um i've got the financials i've got the landlord papers saying i'm I'm always paying my rent on time i've got the people i've hosted sixty-five thousand people i've got the stats they're you know millennial like now they're about 30 they're like um they're like 27 to 35 these days um you know here's their average length of stay like they're male females evening out too like um they're 51 49 male female you know uh domestic international used to be like 80 percent international because they thought it was a hostel and 20% American but today it's like 60 it's like it's it's like 60 50, 60 40 like mm. 50 50 it's getting there to be more American um so I was like I got all these stats you know and I go to San Francisco I'm like I know you have a housing crunch I've got kind of a solution I'm not saying it's an end all but you know you fit people into large open spaces and they're like oh no we, we're not into that kind of housing and I was like well what do you mean that kind of housing yeah. like isn't any housing better than no housing <laughs> yeah. you know I'm like essentially we take commercial zone properties and we put a residential component on it and we allow what used to be, um, you know, a t-shirt shop to be housing. So what's wrong with that? And yeah. why do you care if it's any duration of time? Like, they're like, no, first of all, we want over 32 days. We want it to be like normal bedrooms. But I say to them, this makes no sense to me. If someone doesn't want to stay they 32 can't days. Too. Yeah, they can't afford it. They don't, they're not in town that long. Why does it matter, you know, to you what time they're staying yeah. for, right? And where they're from. So um, I'm still, so when you go back to this, so you could say like, oh, I've been so successful in Los Angeles and people in the city know me. But when you go to a totally new city, it's only relationships. Mm-hmm. And I don't have these big lobbyist dollars, you know, and big campaigns to, to go pay. So I just have to go to the front desk and hear naysayers. But there is definitely people that are really, like, pro. They call them yimbies, like, yes, in my backyard. <laughs> there's definitely yimbies and there's I've nimbies. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yimbies are like, no, not in my backyard. They're anti-development. They're just, like, Yimby. keep things the way they are. Yimbies and nimbies. <laughs> so, so you basically just find champions and you say, hey, how can you help me? Because all I'm trying to do is just create more housing. And isn't that what you all want anyway? Affordable, right. shared housing. And just getting people, I mean, the homeless crisis in San Francisco is unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. And it's so unfortunate. And then, I mean, there's even, I even have friends there that say they just walk down the street and there's just needles everywhere. Yeah, and, yes, you know, I saw that too. Yeah, and then you know, I feel like, like this would be an answer to that. partly to that. Partly because you have to have mental stability for Podshare. Right. That's the only thing. So I've talked to PATH, I've talked to Covenant House, LGBT Center. I brought them into Podshares in, in groups and in singles just to say, look what we've done. Does it work for this, for you? And we keep going back to like, um, if they're not been on the streets for you know that long, maybe they just fell on hard times, like they just lost their apartment or they just lost their job, which is making them like, 
like housing insecure, then then yes, um, housing like that would be like no like any other roommate scenario. But for those that have like PTSD or mm-hmm. you know have just like been on excessive amount of drugs maybe and have just lost lost their um, ability to just socialize or just have a cup of tea without like you know just. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, maybe those are not the right the ones, um, even with um, assistance. But with that said, there's still a lot of people in that in that first example. Right. And so we've talked about. Um, we made a video for LA 2050. It was just like this this challenge that we could win a hundred thousand dollars because that's really what it takes to build a pod share, like a larger one. Um, so we teamed up with Safe Place for Youth in Venice. They've been operating for ten years, mostly for the youth homeless. And we said, well, if, well, if we build a pod share, will you service it? And they're like, absolutely. Mm. So we've kind of started to see if we can find any support for that. So we. Yeah. Can try one it's like pilot. specialized yeah like housing youth almost. right because yeah. millennials are basically staying here but just like the original posture in 2012 i think like if we build it like i, I said to myself if, the, if you build it they will come yeah like that's <laughs> i mean i didn't make up that line exactly. but it's a great one right yeah so uh, but that's not always the case right you could totally have a failing business yeah. um so just be wise um but yeah i want to just pilot one posture for homeless youth and see if um see if it does work yeah and i'm curious with the amount of experience you've had just in these few years for somebody who wants to get started, um, especially young entrepreneurial women out there, what is your biggest piece of advice for them? Definitely just put skin in the game. Go get a savings account. Um, you know, Max out your credit cards. All the things that your parents tell you not to do, <laughs> do make it. sure you do it. Because you'll work for every penny versus these the, – I know I have some friends that get to have money and they don't treat it like their own. Yeah. Secondly, um, eat your own dog food. Like like live in your spaces or wear your own clothes or eat the food that you're making um, because it's authentic. And know that you want to do that for the next decade at least. You know, that you will you'll be drinking your own Starbucks coffee if you have, mm-hmm. that's the brand that you're representing, you know. Um and then, so yeah, put, put put skin in the game, eat your own dog food. Um, don't rely on other people. They will let you down 100%. I'm sorry to say it. Partnerships <laughs> just don't work, for, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I've sec- heard that a lot. Unfortunately. So just rely on yourself. You, your own. Um, you know, if you don't know how to do it, you either learn how to do it or you decide to do something else. Uh, don't go into tech if you're not an engineer. I'm just going to throw that out there. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to afford them. And they probably have other projects that are going to pay them more than what you're going to pay them. So why? I know you have a great idea. Learn to code. Yeah, and it it also sounds like you don't necessarily have to go through the route of funding rounds and all of these different things that involve you just pitching constantly to get the money you need. Pitching's great because you like really hone your ideas and you're like, oh, that sounded great. I'm going to use that again or like yeah. I'm going to write it down. But yeah, pitch and, tell, and telling the idea. I know some people are also like really cagey about their ideas. Like, well, I don't want to tell my idea because someone's going to steal it. I doubt it. Um, but, but maybe just go do it anyway, you know. But um, as far as as far as um, pitching goes, like that's almost relying on someone to like save you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this person's going to lend me money or give me money and they're going to save me. Well, again, why do you need saving? Can't you just go, like just get debt, go borrow money from friends and family? Indiegogo, Kickstarter. I actually raised $30,000, not a lot of money, but raised it for my second location because I just needed a little extra to build it. Um, And so that was really helpful. So our first one, you know, was my savings. My second one was Indiegogo. The third one, I partnered with the landlord. The fourth one, I got a huge amount of debt, which I paid back after 18 months. I had to secure it against my equity because the guy wanted part of my company. And I was like, I can't. Yeah, the fifth (laughs) one, I had to take a giant loan on my parents' house. Oh, my God. I know. And then the sixth month was just from revenue. So that, and like each one is just like the stakes go higher and higher. And we're having conversations right now that are like, like the stakes are even higher. Like the San Francisco one, like I just got off a call this morning that's like, oh my, like every project is almost like, is this going to break me? But it's so exciting. <laughs> it is. And it sounds like you, like you said, went into your money. There's so much more personally writing on it. Yes. And that you're not just like, well, we tried. No. You know, this is like, there is 
no option to say, well, at least I tried. And I'm just, I think, you know, wrapping it up here, who has been the, I guess, pillar of strength for you to rely (laughs) on? Because I'm sure you have moments where you're like, what am I doing? Um, I just almost got my parents yeah yeah seriously well I, I, I think I obviously my mom like she's been so hard on me like she's really tough love um so she really like my, I have this sticker at Podshare and it says there's no such thing as I can't there's only I don't want to mm. and my mom would just be like every time like I can't she'd be like hey stop you don't want to and that's fine <laughs> you don't have to want to like you don't want to have to you don't want to run a mile that quickly you don't have to run a mile that quickly but you can if you kept running you'd go run that mile that fast so she just kept making me believe even though it was lies that I could be as fast like <laughs> you know I could be as smart so I'd say my mom had like the huge amount of influence on me to just irrationally make, you know how they say like entrepreneurs or CEOs are kind of living in their own world where they yeah. can, they have, they have like wings and they could do anything. <laughs> I think like your parenting probably had something to do with that. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, if people want to get involved uh, after hearing this or want to learn more about you, where can they find you and Podshare? Yeah. Elvina at Podshare.com. Or go into your local potter and say, "Hey, I heard you. I heard you on for sister." <laughs> yeah, I love I that mean, the word "sister" is in that too. Yeah, you know, just persisting, like, like dot, like DGs. Oh my God, yes, with our Delta yeah, Gamma. That's DGs what it for, for sister. <laughs> um, oh yes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. I think that anyone listening will get such a valuable lesson out of this, and. Um, not only have learned something about entrepreneurialism, the housing crisis, um, fixing it, but also that there are ways to be a great self-starter without having to rely on other people. Um, so I just thank you again for coming on. Um, this was wonderful. I feel like I definitely learned a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Now, every time I say in my head, I can't, I'm going to be like, no, Candace, it's just you don't want to. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for being here. And um, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.